What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, this isn't any old episode here. We are celebrating the season finale of season three, episode 101. Can't believe we made it, but we are ending the season on the cusp of training camp kicking off and the NHL season kicking into high gear. And we have a big bit of news. The Sabres have signed general manager Kevin Adams to a multi-year contract extension. There have been no details beyond that, that terminology of a multi-year extension that have been discussed. But a very interesting move by the Sabres, one that I feel like makes a lot of sense when you give in the trajectory of the team right now and the way that the front office here has been able to not only accumulate assets, but in the ways that they've been evaluating assets and showing how that will eventually lead to winning hockey for this team. So let's get right into it, Taylor. What are your thoughts on this extension for Adams? Do you feel like it's it's warranted and that he's worthy of a contract extension at this stage of the game? Yeah, I think before we start, so I was a little surprised when I, I heard it. So I think, do we all agree that he must have gotten a three-year deal in 2020? Yeah. I mean, that absolutely has to be the case. It does feel like a quick turnaround, partly because uh, the weird COVID stuff and the short season and the weird summer of 2020. Also partly because the beginning of his tenure was super marred by having to uh, keep making love to that chicken and keeping the core intact, including Ralph Kruger and Rasmus Ristolainen. But after they were able to trade Risto, fire Kruger, unfortunately had to trade Reinhardt, and then also had the Eichel situation, that's when he really, those those things in succession kicked off what you would call the Adams era. So it just, it's all of a sudden like, oh, it was a three-year deal for a GM that's unusual short, probably because of the circumstances. You kind of need a deal. I don't really like going into a season. It's not like a coach or a player where I think you can be like, a proven season's good for you if you're unproven. It's contract year. That's not actually good for a GM, in my opinion. And the mm-hmm. reasoning is you don't want, in this situation that they're in right now, a patient rebuild, you don't want a GM to be like, oh, I have one year to win. Guess I better do that. Because what, the hell, what does he care about the rebuild if he thinks he might not be here next year? If, if he's fighting for his life right now, might not matter. So I guess to your point about how there's not many details, would you be surprised if it was the case that he had an initial three-year deal and it's also the case that he's added only two or three years to it? No, Does that surprise that, you? No, not at all. I think it makes a ton of sense. And I think, you know, add, to your point, you have to consider the moves that have been made to lead to this point. I mean, he really, even though, you know, a lot of the core guys on the team right now were drafted prior to his tenure, he's really establishing his own identity within this team. And he's made some pretty monumental moves that by and large have paid off and would make him worthy of getting an extension here. I mean, we'll see how Eichel ends up panning out and how he comes back this year, but by and large, you really can't be too upset about the return that you ended up getting on that trade and tuck Krebs and what eventually turned out to be Noah Ostland. Beyond that, you have the Reinhardt trade, which netted you and essentially Yari Kulich and, your goalie of the future right now in Devin Levi. The Ristolainen trade is just a laughable joke that was unbelievable finessing beyond beyond comprehension there. So that obviously goes without saying as a feather in his cap. But you end up entrusting Granado as your head coach and hiring him full-time. 
understanding full well the style of coach that he is and not making a, we'll call it like a safe pick with going with a guy who is maybe an established coach. As we all know in the NHL, there's this coaching carousel of guys who really don't have success, but somehow they just keep getting jobs over and over and over again. And so I really like that he he stuck to his guns there and he ended up giving Granado the job. And then on top of that too, I mean, let, let's look at beyond the moves that he's made in terms of the roster, but are we not all extremely, extremely encouraged a complete 180 from how we were before about the buildup of the front office right now and the people who he's surrounding himself with? To That's me, a great point. I didn't well, consider that. Right. And it's like, to me, I think the measure of not a, a great general manager, a great leader, even maybe more so is who you choose to surround yourself with. And let's be honest, coming into this, we all knew that Kevin Adams did not have a lick of front office experience. So what did he do? He ended up having to build back up a torn down front office that was just a barren wasteland of nothingness and ends up surrounding himself now with some of the brightest and smartest hockey minds and most forward-thinking hockey minds in the game today with the makeup of the, of, of the analytics department right now. And so for me, it's like he was able to look in the mirror and say, Oh, I'm not going to go out and, and be impatient or try and make a, a big swing if I don't necessarily have to yet. But what I am going to do though, is surround myself with people who come from different walks of the hockey life, who have different areas of expertise and different informed opinions on how to evaluate players. And we're going to use this team in tandem to figure out how we're going to build a winner. And what more can you ask for out of a general manager than that? And so coming out of a, you know, a, a three-year initial contract and say he gets two or three more on top of that. I mean, it's a no brainer. He's, he deserved it. He's earned it. We've seen the, the good that has come from his decision-making again, in the way that beyond the stuff that we're, we're hopefully going to be seeing in terms of the on ice results too. I know a lot of us also like to rag on old hockey minds, just about the, overemphasis on on culture and the way that people use it to the point where it becomes it's a joke of itself but when you think about it I think it also is an accomplishment the way that he has built the culture within the organization right now from the front office to the coaching staff to the players like it, it was total bullshit when they are in the literal depths of hockey hell and they're like we want guys who want to play for the sabers and i still to this day think that that was that's embarrassing and it's just lip service it, it, it's of no value but it's clearly working i mean the way that these guys who are talking about the who the, the young guys on the team now even the ones who have been here i mean obviously talking krebs like that's awesome that they're all about it but tage and casey Darlene, Cousins, all of these guys saying that they want to be a part of the solution and that they love the, the, the team that they're building. They love the locker room. I mean, that is that is absolutely significant and something that Kevin Adams deservedly so should be applauded for. Yeah, I agree. I think what it comes down to a couple of things that he inherited a huge mess and then due to the direction of the front office and the coach ahead, they weren't able to do much cleaning up of that mess in the first six months. And now it's like, while you've done some impressive things, you haven't had really the chance to try to actually show that you've really gotten better at the NHL level. So you need a new deal. I guess that's really it. It's I don't think there's maybe it's not that deep, as the kids say. Hmm. Uh, but beyond that, I'd say a lot of people are like, uh, like I said, I don't like the idea of a general manager going into a season without a deal because I think that's bad for the franchise as opposed to the proven situation. Otherwise, however. I think a lot of people are right to go like, 
we shouldn't be that optimistic about Adams yet. You're right. I mean, they haven't won at the NHL level. Those people that are skeptical are, they have a point. I guess if you're going to evaluate someone on what they've done so far, it's a little bit like what you were getting at there. It's something that we're all familiar with now in Buffalo. It's the process. It truly is the process. And it's not even, I'm not even doing the trust the process thing. I know that's what it'll remind people of, but it's like, it's not necessarily about results right away in any business, but this is a cool business, not some boring bullshit in the tech world. This is a (laughs) hockey team. And what you want is results on the ice in a certain amount of time. For me, that time is 23, 24 season. Same for you. Same for a lot Mm -hmm. of reasonable fans. He'll need an extension before then. That's his prove it season that that season, the season after, if they're not in the playoffs, probably both of those years, if they're not getting better, showing their contenders, all that, then you start to think about getting a new GM. Well, and I think you and I both too are in agreement that this year, the expectation is not to think that this team is going to be a a playoff contender, a legitimate playoff contender. We want them to be sticking around in games and have meaningful games down the stretch in March and April, where they're the, the, in the hunt, you know, the seven and nine team that's always in the hunt halfway through the year, three fourths of the way through the year. But to your point though, about expectations next off season, though, you needed to get this done for obvious reasons, but also we have to remember that next off season will unquestionably be, the most pivotal offseason of Kevin Adams' tenure to date. It, next offseason is going to be the one where we very well could see a big swing, and we're going to have to know if they're going to know how to put the pieces together to be able to appropriately craft a deal like that where you're going to walk away getting that main centerpiece that we're looking for that we're missing right now in the forward corps. Yes. and Yeah, that's basically what I was getting at with the process. It's that That's the end step of it. What you really want is to see that he's making the right moves on guys that are coming up. Like people were really happy with the three draft picks this year. It seemed like, well, at least two of the three people draft people seem to be happy with, but even going back a couple of years, Jack Quinn was not someone the entire hockey world was super enthused by. It was a risk and it was a risk. He seems to be right about uh, Owen power was someone that actually I didn't want him to take. Cause I don't really like defensemen, but I'm really glad they did take mm-hmm. him because now it seems like he has a lot more potential than Vernier's, and anyone else they would have taken, like William Eklund. That that was not a slam dunk pick. It was almost it was a little bit consensus, but it was it wasn't consensus. There's no such thing as a little bit consensus. But it was I mean, close, we both wanted veneers really. for what like I'm I'm and I'm also still convinced veneers is gonna be a great player, but I'm glad that they have power. Yeah, so yeah, that's that's a good point. And then like other guys are are starting to show up too, like Tyson Kozak are all of a sudden looks like a way better pick than the round they took him in. And Seventh rounder, right. Yeah, and like Devin Levi seems like the Sabres didn't draft him, but he seems like he was a good pickup. And they look like, especially in the 2021 draft, that they were really interested in taking high skill guys that fell to the second round, like Poltobov and Kisikov and other guys. So I think all of that screams to me good process so far. And then everything you mentioned about the front office and what they've done in that department. So I, to me, that's he's earned at least this extension. This is why you don't start a GM off with a three-year deal. This is why it's always a ridiculous concept. I get why they did it, but, and it was a mess at the time, but yeah, generally I think you should start a GM off with five years, probably, especially if the situation they were in, but they weren't accepting the situation they were in. Uh, so do we quickly want to move on to training camp, which I believe opens uh, tomorrow, the 22nd. Yeah. So, like I said, training camp opens, and by the time you hear us again, I believe they'll have played a preseason game, which would be cool. Looking forward to that. 
so to to me this is an interesting preseason because it seems like most of the roster is set so it's about how some guys look some guys that you're going to see next year or you'll see at the ahl level and some guys that you'll see at the nhl level this year or some guys that you know it's kind of in between let's let's just see how they look at the first training camp or or things like that so brendan's going to have more questions next episode when we're in the midst of training camp here's a couple i have going in how's jack quinn look I know the expectation is he should be at least a pretty good NHL player this year. That would be nice. It's also it, worth noting that if he improves the way he did from one year to another, he, he's not going to improve to that level again. But if he continues to improve, I mean, he's only 21. So he could easily jump to another level where it's all of a sudden like, wow, he's a 20 goal scorer in the NHL. That's interesting. And if he's going to be that guy, he should look like that guy right away. Another guy. I agree. That's, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna. I, I'd love to just you know give a little thoughts on that because I think that that yeah. is such a, a key piece to this puzzle. Because again, I, I think there's going to be a lot of competition on the wing for the uh, in the top two lines, and I think the key thing for Quinn this year, and I'm sure this will be the case, is if he makes the roster, is who are you surrounding him with, and what opportunities is he getting? What is, what kind of what is his offensive to defensive zone face off deployment percentage looking like? And again, like what power play unit is he going to be playing on? And I mean, he has a, a, an unbelievable shooting talent and he's great around the net. Are you, is he going to get time on the first unit eventually at some point? Sure, he will be on the second unit if it's not the first, but getting those first unit minutes can absolutely help with that as well. And I think the other thing beyond that too is, as we've talked about, we got to keep this in mind with just tempering expectations. But as the season goes on, I'm still not fully convinced that Victor Olofsson won't be a trade chip when the trade deadline comes around. And if there's a buyer looking there and if the Sabres are somehow, if Olofsson is on a tear, able to say package him in a piece and and get another first round pick for the upcoming year and get a chip, then that can end up leading to not only Jack Quinn, but a guy like JJ Paterka too, getting increased opportunities in the top six and at the very least the top nine. So I'm super interested to see how he's going to turn out. I think Quinn can end up being a a really important piece to this puzzle here with, again, like you had mentioned before and alluded to, if he can just continue on his trajectory where he takes his time in terms of adjusting to the league that he's playing in and the competition he's playing against, and then he's able to just take off and dominate and adjust his game appropriately. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Another person I'm looking at is someone that's often mentioned in the same breath as Quinn, which is J.J. Paterka. Uh, due to them bringing back Riley Shane, bringing back Henestroza, not really doing anything with Bjork, no Olafson trade, no Middlestat trade, some of the things that are speculated. They have like 14 forwards. So, and we don't know maybe maybe who, who even the 13th guy is it going to be. Is it going to be Shane, Bjork, is someone going to be in Rochester? Will there be a cut? Is there another trade to be made still? Who knows? But the answer seems to be the Paterka will be in the AHL next year uh, to start the year. So last year, people thought he could make the team out of training camp with how well he played. Mm-hmm. I guess my question is, is he going to make the weird uh, non-commitment uh, to him as an NHL player look bad by being so good in training camp and then subsequently AHL after that? I think it's absolutely a question that we need to keep asking. And we talked about this, I think, about a month ago or so. But one of the things that... I'm going to be really looking for coming out of training camp here in terms of JJ Paterka is the organization's philosophy on, are you actually going to let the best person win a roster spot? Because 
thinking about, again, like you're saying with the bottom line or the bottom six, even beyond Paterka, I mean, what if Sheehan or Hinostroza have horrible camps, but then Paterka and say somebody like Brett Murray, for example, are lighting it up? Are you going to reward them and, and actually give them? I think Sheehan is a little bit different because he's a center, but it, it's absolutely a question that's worth asking. Is this front office going to prioritize skill and what you can bring to the table over the conventional veteran presence? And are you actually going to reward a guy who outperforms his veteran counterpart? Because uh, I, I, it's it's a Paterka thing, but it's also just an organizational philosophy thing that we're going to have to keep in mind as we have this wealth of picks and prospects who are going to be coming up through the ranks. Definitely. Next question. UPL. Oh. Is he going to look good? <laughs> that's my God damn, question. I wish I had the answer to that one. <laughs> that's that's basically it. Like, he's not going to start the year in the NHL. So, but like, you know, Anderson's old goal, uh, goalie injuries can happen. He's, there's a chance you see him at some point during the season. How is he going to look in training camp? Because I would really like some hope that he can be like an average NHLer. That would be nice. And I don't think it's, it's too much to ask of that. As we've been saying, I mean, his stock has been falling. It's literally like, it's like going up and down a hill, like perfectly in terms of how his stock was going up. And then as soon as it was at its peak, it just started to just nosedive down and down more. And there's obviously a lot of contributing factors to that from injuries to opportunity to uh, rehabbing from injuries. The, the weirdness of last year where he's looking better in the NHL than he is in Rochester, which is making people question Seth Apper. So, and the defensive structure within his, his coaching strategy as well. But like we've been saying, he's got some time still, but like Levi's coming to Rochester next year. And so this is like, while I don't necessarily think that you can look at a situation with UPL and if this year, like if he isn't a, a star this year in the AHL, well, I shouldn't say that he should be a star in the AHL, but like if he doesn't stick in Buffalo, for example, I don't think that we can, we should immediately go to the sky is falling, but it's that while having the, compartmentalizing that with the fact that Levi is going to be here. He, I would be shocked if this time next year, he's not going into the season as the starter in Rochester and UPL has got to know that too. And, and the other thing too, is with Eric Comrie and how that ends up playing out. I mean, I think it's probably inevitable to say that Anderson at some point will go down and, and have an injury. It's just the nature of being as old as he is and, and being a goalie in the NHL. And so it goes without saying that UPL is going to get his shot and say he plays 15, 20 games this year. What are you going to do in that time? Like, are, are you actually going to be able to prove to the front office that you might be the answer still? Because if you got Levi coming, he's going to be their guy and Levi is looking damn good right now. Yep, definitely. And I think, uh, so that huge, huge training camp for UPL next question, Savoy and Coolidge, uh, they're not going to make the team, but do they make it seem, well, I guess my question is two questions on that one. Who looks better and who is like the one where you're like, Oh shit, that guy's on the team next year, no doubt about it. Could be both of them, obviously. Yeah, I think it could be both. Yeah. I with that, what I really I'm wondering. I mean, as we saw with the prospect tournament, like Savoy got better and better as he went along. And we know in terms of Coolidge's draft profile that he's always projected to be the one of the first three picks who seems like maybe he's the most NHL ready just due to his style and his build. 
with Savoy, I think the big thing is going to be just in terms of, uh, again, like adjusting his game to the NHL level. And I think that the things that he brings to the table and his compete level is going to absolutely allow him to be conducive to playing at a, a high level in the NHL in spite of his size. What I'll say, even though it's not necessarily answering your question, I will make a, I don't know if it's necessarily bold or not, but I bet both of them see time on the Sabres this year. I think Coolidge, maybe if he has a good start in Rochester, maybe we see him for an injury call up in Savoy at the conclusion of his season. Then if he ends up reporting to Rochester, similar to kind of like what Reinhardt did, maybe then we end up seeing, uh, a couple of games of, of Savoy. And if they think he's ready, then, you know, we see him on the the roster next season, but it's a damn good question to, to ask. I'm very, very curious to see, you know, if these guys are going to be able to do that because then that's going to just give you even more questions up there at forward in terms of decisions that you're going to have to make. Cause it's getting a little crowded up there. And there's some guys that we know are going to be here for the, for the long haul. All right, last That's question. Also, I should say, too, barring like a major, major trade where you're moving out a handful of guys, which is the other right. thing. Yeah, sorry. Uh, last question. Kozak, he looked phenomenal in the recent development camp. Uh, not development camp, uh, prospect challenge. I don't know how he looked at development camp, to be honest. Maybe he was good there, too. But does he keep it up going into training camp? He won't make the team either, but does he establish himself as a, like, hey, you should be paying attention. I'm going to be in the NHL someday. Is, does that start now? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that the big step is just going to be to see how, you know, he's been playing really, really well against his peers. And so now it's time to take it up a notch and see how his game will adjust to being in a much more physical AHL. And I mean, yeah, like who knows? Like if he keeps playing at this level, like maybe he ends up, maybe that this is a bold prediction then. If he ends up playing at at this level, maybe he ends up as an, all, an AHL all-star on the AHL all-rookie team. There could be a few guys in Rochester actually who can end up on that as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely makes sense. All right, uh, so that's all my questions on training camp. Should we move on quickly to the ad before we get to the end of the episode? I would love to. All right, folks, the NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 in any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, Everyone can boost their winnings through DraftKings stepped up same game parlays right now for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with bigger payouts than ever. Why bet on football anywhere else to make things even sweeter. You can throw down on stepped up same game parlays once per game day, all season long. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. So, folks, lately... I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, like I've said before, and you should be too. In fact, you should be listening to Straight Up Sabres now that Real Hockey is back. Amen to that. Great. That's right. It's been great, all the stuff I've been listening to, a lot of hockey stuff, the Hockey Podcast Network, all that. But you know why it's been great? Because of Raycon wireless earbuds. Those are what I use to listen when I'm on my little walks. <laughs> Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, These earbuds are so comfortable, and they will not budge. Trust me. 
Raycons give you eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycons Everyday Earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. They also feature some tremendous features, such as three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, noise isolation, and awareness mode. Love all those features. <laughs> so, like I said, Raycons, they're great for if you're you know going on a walk, doing the dishes, whatever. What are you listening to? Podcasts, music. Maybe you're listening to the news of the day, NPR, something like that. So what do you want to listen to all of that on? Your Raycon wireless earbuds. And how do you do that? You go to buyraycon.com slash THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. All right, back to the show. Folks, weird Tuesday in the NHL. You don't usually have a Tuesday in September with so much news. Uh, but one thing, this is not really what we're talking about, but Nathan McKinnon, now the highest paid player in hockey by AAV, well-deserved based on how team-friendly his last contract was. Sure, he'll be passed by Austin Matthews soon and uh, probably, let's say, Matthew Savoy after that? <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> I just, Matthew I think Savoy's it's going to be making 20 mil a year in three years. Yeah, so we do have a quiz. This is not what the quiz – yeah, that's true. We do have a quiz. This is not what the quiz is on. But can you tell me a question real quick? Can you answer this? Would Dude. Nathan McKinnon's AAV be in the top 100 in the NBA? No. You are correct. It would not. That is insane. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that's hockey for you, folks. But it's – yeah, it's not even – it's, it's kind of close. It would be like 103rd. But yeah, it used to not be like this. By the way, the Yankees just hit a grand slam, but it was not. It was not Judge. Judge no sixty-one yet. No, Oswaldo Cabrera grand slam. Good for him. There so grand go. slams and back-to-back innings for the New York Yankees, folks. We love to see it. Well, some of you probably don't. Anyway, the other NHL action that happened was three defensemen retiring within an hour. Very strange. It must have been coordinated, I guess, but like. You know, people ask, like, do they have the same agent or whatever? I didn't look into that, but that doesn't even make sense. Why would agents no. want to, like, ruin each other's news? Like, you could you could have done this week over week for the last three weeks or day over day this whole week. Right. Makes no sense why they did this all at the same time. It kind of all fed into each other's news – or ate into each other's new, news cycles, I should say. But if you didn't hear about it, the three years of Dan Ochara, P.K. Subban, and Keith Yandel, all varying degrees of ages. And how did – I don't get how Subban didn't get – at least a PTO. The other guys I can understand with Chara being old and, and Yandel had a horrendous year last year, but Subban was better. Like last year, it was much improved for him. And it felt like his game was obviously not getting back to like the level where he was a, a top end defenseman, but like he was serviceable at the least. Yeah. Let's remember to talk about that on Sunday's episode or Monday's Absolutely. episode. Cause that's an interesting thing. I have some thoughts too. Anyway, uh, reminds me that Duncan Keith actually retired the same off season. Strain. On his own accord, not um, because he still had years left in his contract. So that's four guys, uh, two of whom surefire Hall of Famers. One, I think, should be in the Hall of Fame and it'll probably take a couple of years. And then one guy who I said last year had a shot, and then he literally <laughs> took a giant season-long dump, and he is not in the <laughs> Hall of Fame. But he's in the Hall of Very Good, and he was Hall of Very Good at getting points. All four of those guys are among the active leaders and defensemen and points. I believe they all four were in the top ten. So now there's a basically – uh, half new top 10 and active defenseman in points. Crazy. Points, that is. 
And that's your quiz. Oh, Either okay. Cool. Yeah, All right. Not that hard. Um, so do I have to do this in order or can I just like, no, I'll tell you yeah. what, I'll tell you where the person is if you get them. Okay. Uh, let's start off with Drew Doughty. Yes. Drew Doughty is seventh with 567 points. All right. How about Roman Yossi? Roman Yossi is ninth with 542 after his near hundred point season. Wait. So what do you say? Doughty was seventh, 567 Seven. and Yossi is ninth at 542. All right. How about we go with Victor Hedman? Victor Hedman is, let's see. What is that? One, two, three, four, fifth at 603. Okay. How about uh, Christopher Letang? Yes, he's third at 650. So you're getting all the odd numbers out of the way. So why don't you okay. go with number one real quick? Uh, what about John Carlson? Well, you didn't get number one, but Carlson, yes. Carlson is sixth with 593. Wait, am I missing an obvious one for number one? Well, I just saw you get all the odd numbers out of the way. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, All right. Who else we got here? So how many do I have and how many more do I have to go? You have five and five to go. Okay. How about Eric Carlson? Yes. Number two at 660. What about Brent Burns? Number one at 777. There we go. Um, Three more to go. Yep. I'm trying to think about this from like a longevity perspective rather than like more of the immediate guys. Cause obviously like the, the current headlining point getters among defensemen with like McCarr and Fox and all of them aren't there yet. So well, not not even. I feel like obviously they're not compared to these guys who have been around forever. How about um, what numbers do I have left? You have number four, eight, and ten. How about Alex Petrangelo? Number ten. Hey. All right. All right. All right. Um. Hmm. Here is a total, total, total shot in the dark that I don't know if this is actually going to be, but I want to just go for it because he racked up points. Is Kevin Shattenkirk on this list? No. Damn. Is he active? Yeah, he's playing. Isn't he still playing? Yeah, it feels like I'm going to look him up because he feels like he should be. He did have a lot of points. Um. Hmm. Ooh, I have one actually. Wait, is, I don't think he's retired yet. Is Ryan Suter still in the Is he still with Dallas? Yeah, he's a Dallas star. He is fourth with 639 points. Petrangelo, or not Petrangelo, Shattenkirk has 433. And then what is the, wait, has 433? Where does that put him ranked? That's got to be top 20, right? 15? It's got to be top 20. I'm not looking at the list now. I just looked up him. Uh, he's not top 100 active overall. He's probably top 20 in defenseman. And I mean, Petrangelo is five seventeen. So what's what's the number you said I have left? Eight. How about Mark Giordano? Yeah. Oh yeah. He's eighth with 544. So yeah, 10 and 11 guesses. Very good. Not too All bad. Right. I'll take it. Yeah. So, wow, folks, we are at the end of season three now. Wow. We've done more than 250 episodes. We we went through a pandemic. We survived Ralph Krueger and uh, the Ristolainen trade, all that stuff. And now we're here heading into season four. I think it's going to be our best one yet. Yeah, for the Sabres and us. For the Yeah, exactly. Bigger guests, bigger yep. and better than ever. Big, strong guests, you know, healthy yes. guests. 
That's right. Big, big, mm. big guess. Mm, the biggest, the biggest. Well, do you have any last thoughts you'd like to share, Taylor, before we sign off for season three? Um, My recommendation between now and Sunday is to watch Yankees games because of Aaron Judge. There we go. My recommendation is that the Sabres win 40 games this year. Yes, I recommend they do that as well. I recommend that. Who is your final random Sabres player of season three? Mark Mancari. Oh, okay. Wow. I'm I'm gonna go with the with the OG, our boy, because we haven't said his name on the podcast in a while. None other than Danny Briere. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to this season three finale of Straight Up Sabres. We'll be back with the season four premiere on Monday. So make sure you're tuning in for that. We're going to be covering the start of training camp. I'll be giving my five questions, which Taylor will give be giving his insight. We're going to have another quiz. We're going to start getting guests lined up. It is going to be great. And we can't wait for you all to be along for the ride. So again, this has been straight up Sabres. Make sure you're checking out both of the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, both the hockey podcast network and the charging Buffalo. Make sure you're following them on social media and you're going on whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, to listen to our fellow shows on each of the two networks. Also make sure you're finding us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and whatever streaming platform you're currently using, drop us a nice little review. We would very much appreciate it. Give us a nice little five-star rating. It would mean a lot to both Taylor and myself. So hopefully you can do that for us. And last but not least, check out our sponsors of this podcast, Raycon. Go get those headphones, ultimate listening experience. Take advantage of that great deal there. And on top of that, make sure you're heading over to DraftKings and using that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. Once again, we'll be back with a brand new episode, our season four premiere on Monday. Thank you all so much for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Sabres. <laughs>